Welcome to another episode for Radio Liferay. And guess what? The topic today is the web. Who would have thought that? My guest and today with me is Ryan Schuler. That's the way I pronounce it. And I'm very curious to learn how he pronounces it. Hello, Ryan. Hey, Olaf. Uh, yeah, you got it pretty much right. Schuler, as we say it here in the States. Um, it is German, so pretty sure you're pronouncing it correctly. Okay, sounds good. That's one of the names that are hard to butcher for me, at least. I bet others see that differently. Yeah, well, usually, but you get some interesting pronunciations. <laughs> That's right. So you are working in LifeRay's web team. So I've said, let's grab someone from that team and talk about how you use LifeRay or how we as the company use LifeRay DXP in order to build a website and what kind of techniques, technologies, tips and tricks you can share with us so that we can build our our pages in a way or our sites in a way that is easy to maintain, that is beautiful and that does what it's supposed to do. How does that sound? Sounds great. Yeah, I um, manage the web team and actually our team is does anything that marketing wants with the IS marketing team portion of that is definitely the public website so we touched on some other things but yeah i've been on the web team for a number of years now and yeah it's been really cool to see liferay as a product grow and a company and how we're kind of approaching our website um what kind of tasks we do and what kind of tasks we're able to empower marketers to do so it is an exciting time for because we've definitely been focusing on um new features for web content management and just the entire experience for people to use our product. Um, and we've been giving a lot of feedback to product as well. And so it's been exciting to see that implemented and to give more feedback and for it to continue to grow. That's good. So I see a lot of activity. I see frequent publishing being announced on the internal channels. Like here there's new content going mm -hmm. out and, uh, and well, basically you have the teams, you have the design teams, the, Uh, the copy editing, uh, the marketing teams that want something from you. Let's, yeah. I can't say, let's start at the beginning. Where do I start with a website like that? Yeah. So, I mean, it starts with, we're, we're currently, it starts with your infrastructure. So we're using DXP Cloud um, to host our site, which is helpful for just kind of streamlining all of those um normal tasks and IT tasks. Um, we shifted to that maybe two or so years ago and it's been really helpful. Um, but so yeah, we have, we get the site up, we're running, um, we're currently on 7.2, hoping to, as 7.3 uh, options are being released to upgrade to those as well. Um, but we basically spin that up, make sure all of that's working well. Um, and then uh, marketers will come with all sorts of requests. So it could be, we want, We want to build a new event site. We want to build, you know, update our product pages. Um, it can be a lot of different things. And in the past, what we've done is we've kind of, as a team, built all those pages out for them. Um, so they'll basically come up with a request. Then the content team will write all the content for that. And then it'll go to design. And the design team will create mockups for that. And then it'll go to the web team. And the web team will um, create those pages, which works Um we got used to works pretty well, but as we've kind of grown as a company and hired more marketers, um, 
our team hasn't grown that much. Um, and so we've been trying to figure out how to scale and how to do that well. And so that's where a lot of the new um, content pages and fragments and things that they've been building into the later versions of Life has really helped because we've started instead of um, doing that whole process, we still do that process for certain pages, maybe high profile pages or unique pages. Um, but there's an, a number of pages now that we started to build up kind of this component library. So instead of marketing coming to us with a specific page and we do all of that for the process, um, we've kind of built out all of the components. Um, Abel, our designer, has designed a bunch of components that we can then use anywhere on the site. And there can be different parts of the site, like we'll have a set of components that are used for events, or we'll have a set of components that are used for the main site or globally, and a set of components that are just for landing pages. Um, and so we've been working on getting all of those components working and tested so that now with the new content pages, um, marketers can just drag and drop all the components on the page and build their pages without us. So the content editors can add the content straight into the site and we can review it and publish it and it'll save a lot of time. And a lot of that allows a team of, you know, four or five developers to be able to support 50 or 60 marketers instead of um, every marketer coming in and having to prioritize tasks across them. So it's just helping us um, scale more than a shift that we've been on. That's been um, a lot of work, but it's been already, it's been uh, giving us a lot of, a lot of benefits. Okay. So a lot of marketing pages uh, that you talked about, is the web team also responsible for any of the other, the rather technical pages that I see or the technical sites that I see, like help center, the documentation, um, community sites or. So there are other teams that work on those. We have a, another IS support team that helps with help center technically, um, documentation or different teams. So a lot of the subdomains are managed by different teams. Um, the main site that we manage is the main There are a few other sites that we touch, but that's the, the main one. Okay. Then, uh, well, we have a limited amount of options, but that's good because, mm -hmm. well, we got to, We got to talk about uh, something then that is rather, I guess, more on the UI side, more on the UX side and more on the beautiful side, which is something that I can't do. Let's go into the techniques that uh, that you are using. You said you have a couple of components designed. Is that something on the side of library content pages, fragments and so on? Or is that the classic content management? We've been switching to the um, content pages. So before... We actually had started building components um, before we were on um, 7.2 with um, just out-of-the-box web content templates. So we actually had crafted a, um, a large component library all in FreeMarker using FreeMarker templates and basically using a bunch of macros and things because we were hitting similar issues. Like we were reusing components. We wanted to keep things consistent across the site, but we didn't have a way of doing that. So we had this um, large component library that we, we had built uh, in templates, which was actually pretty cool, um, but just was pretty manual to upkeep and not as efficient. And so we have switched a lot of those things over now into fragments and using fragments and the out-of-box features. Um, and that gives us the benefits of being able to allow marketers to drag and drop them on the page 
and for us to create easier page templates. So the first way that we rolled out with them was we created maybe five or six templates that had a bunch of variations that marketers could use for landing pages. Because marketers will like spin up landing pages all the time for a new webinar or a new AdWords campaign that they're doing or something like that. And so we created, we figured out all the stuff that marketers create the most and we created some templates for them so that they can very easily just spin up a page. It has all the dummy content. They just update the content on the page um, and it works. And not only does it work, but it also works for mobile, works across devices and browsers, like all the stuff that we've tested for each component um, is reusable, which saves us time as well. Because when we were creating a page, when you create a page from scratch, a lot of your time goes into testing it across browsers and across screen widths, um, all these things that there's such a diverse use, um, like people use such a, a diverse amount of um applications these days that it's really hard to support all of them so this allows us to kind of test it once make sure it's all good and then be able to use those things um, and trust that they're going to work and you have quality in your site yeah i'm with you there i think it's about 30 minutes or 40 minutes ago that i filed an issue that uh, only applied to one browser mm -hmm. yep there's lots of those <laughs> yeah, it's never but it was on one. the back end i mean a lot of times it's ie but sometimes it's Safari, sometimes it's just Chrome or Firefox. or So it all depends. Yeah, for me, it was Firefox. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, well, what uh, you said, landing pages, they, they are in there. Uh, event pages, those are the ones when I get involved or when, well, I don't really get involved, but I get asked about some of them uh, like every year when there's DEF CON, then uh, at least I'm smart-assing about them and ask for something. Uh, is that all following the same template, basically? It's like one event is like the other for you, but has different content. But other than that, it looks like every other event? Um, it depends on the event. So we did... Uh, our events are the next thing that we want to put onto the content pages with fragments. Um, we had come up... We kind of componentized them on our own um, using just regular web content in the past. So there are a number of different like flavors, if you will, of our events. So DevCon is a little more unique than some of the other ones are a little bit more consistent, um, but we're working on making sure that they are completely standardized so that, um, yeah, they are pretty consistent and there'll be a, a variety of templates you can choose from, but you'll get those kind of templates and know that those are um, what you have and can work. Because for a number of years, we've worked very specific, like marketers could ask for anything that they want for every event, which is great for getting like, a very specific um, site out, but it's also just not as scalable in the long run. And as you are running more and more events and have more and more marketers, um, it's just not as uh, efficient with resources. And also it's uh, it's not as consistent UX-wise. So we're also trying to figure out how to keep our brand consistent across all of our sites. Um, as you mentioned, there's a bunch of different sites that we have like help center and docs and all these things. And a lot of them are maintained by different teams and are not as consistent as we want. So we're working on also a part of this, making sure that the look and feel of anything that is LifeRay and that brand is consistent and setting up a component library and using those kind of things um, is definitely how we're hoping to achieve those things. So it's a work in progress, um, but it's definitely, 
improving and getting a lot better. Yeah, that sounds like you are totally associated with marketing as well, right? Or are you somewhere else in the company hierarchy? Uh, technically, we are in internal services, so it's under operations. So we are actually outside of marketing, but we work with marketing the most. So they're our main stakeholder, and they're the one, the ones who, um, yeah, give us priorities and that we work work for. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then there is one field, it's like a fully open field uh, for me. It's like all of the integrations with external uh, solutions that we are using, that, that you guys are using. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, measuring analytics. Uh, is that Google Analytics? Is that LifeRay Analytics? Is that... Um, Uh, like HubSpot is what I see. Uh, what else is there and how and why do you integrate them? Yes, it's a great question. And yeah, that's another large part of what we do as um, just since we support all of marketing, anything technically that they want, we will implement. So a lot of that looks like integrations to our site or just any software that they want to purchase or evaluate and use. So um, yeah, we will evaluate those as a lot of what I've been doing these last couple of months is evaluating or buying a lot of different new things for marketing or for, um, yeah, a new, we have new BDR positions, all these different things that we're like evaluating products for. And then after we evaluate them and make sure that they will fit marketing's needs and are, are a good solution, then we will integrate them into our site or our platform or our systems, however, however they need to be. So we do use, um, Google Analytics right now for a lot of analytics. We also have um, Lifer Analytics installed and in we use some of that information. It's it's newer to our um, our kind of workflow. So I don't know how much our analysts use it as regularly, um, but we are giving feedback to them as well of how to use it better. Um, I know that we would like, it's not a one-to-one -one, um, replacement for Google Analytics, but it offers a lot of similar things and then a lot of more specific life right things that are helpful. So we've been working on um, using that more, integrating that. Um, other integrations, uh, yeah, we, we work closely. We have a, There's a, a question in between. Mm -hmm. Question between, you mentioned BDR. Um, to me, that's a TLA, which is a three-letter acronym. Uh, what's that? Um, yes, so a BDR is a business development rep. So it's kind of this position um, that is between marketing and sales. It can live in either. Um, our, our BDRs live in marketing currently. But it's essentially this group of people that um, help nurture leads that look potential before they go to sales. So marketing oh, is kind okay. of responsible. So it's, a, it's a person, not a tool. Correct. Sorry, I was I was trying I was trying in my mind to to go through all of the tools and which one would uh, which one would fit uh, the, that yes, category. Yes, it's, it's a role. So there's <laughs> okay. a whole bunch of people that are doing that. So we actually just uh, we use a or we just uh, um, evaluated and are implementing a software called SalesLoft that does a lot of their um, their work. So it's basically a place where they can see all the leads that have come in from our marketing automation platform, which we are, we were on HubSpot and now we're moving to Pardot. Um, and so we have 
marketing will use Pardot to kind of do lead lead nurturing and to get basically get people from our website and see who's a good fit. And then they kind of hand them off to the BDR team. So they're doing more. They'll do things like calling them, sending more specific email um, emails to them, following up, seeing if they're a good fit, what they're interested in. And then as soon as they think, oh, yeah, this person is good to go to sales, then they'll hand them off to sales. So it's kind of this in-between state. So that's so, when they show up on my desk, for example. Correct. Yep. So kind of just trying to get more quality leads to sales to save um, their their time. Um, that's the idea. So, yeah, we have software for them that's integrated and will integrate into the system. Um, but, yeah, we we have all sorts of things like that. So, yeah, currently we have HubSpot that has integrations with our website. Um, all of our forms on our website are using HubSpot right now. Mm -hmm. um, but we are migrating to Pardot. So we're figuring out, yeah, how how to implement Pardot forms if they're one-to-one, -one, um, if we want to rework any of those things as we're doing it. Also, as we migrate, just checking the whole systems and how marketing is working and trying to clean up those systems. So there's lots of cleanup there um, and then integration onto our website so that all the visitors that are coming, um, we can we can see what they're doing, um, see what pages they're visiting, what um, assets they're interested in. And then we can know, oh yeah, these people are interested in this. We should send them more of this kind of content. So yeah, we have a, a number of different tools that marketing uses to do things like that, but all of those things we will help integrate um, and, and upkeep for them. Okay, then a uh, trick question. What of that is feeding back into the product? So is there anything, uh, a stupid idea that you probably have implemented a, a cookie banner, which everybody has and I never see? Uh, but uh, does something like that or anything else or just feedback for usability of the tool or whatever, like what is it that goes back into the product from what you do? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so in the past, not much has gone back, um, but more recently, we've definitely been trying to give more feedback to product. Um, in, I think we have touch points in almost all of the major products that we're offering, um, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so feedback for modern site building, um, we've been involved with product from the beginning of that. So kind of giving them feedback of what we needed and they would develop stuff and we would try it out and we're using it and giving them feedback and they kind of prioritize different things off of, um, yeah, what we, what we need for our use case. Um, so a lot of that feedback goes in. So content pages and all of those things, um, we're able to give feedback and it gets worked on pretty quickly, which is cool. Um, Analyst Cloud, we also give some feedback for just of our use case and different solutions that we use currently that this that Analyst Cloud could um, could use. We give them that kind of feedback. Um, I don't know exactly how far on their roadmap those things get, if they're like at the end of the roadmap or where they get put in. Um, but we do give feedback there. Um, DXP Cloud, we were involved. We were the first people on DXP Cloud and have been involved in giving feedback for that and shaping that. And then um, Commerce, we haven't been using yet, but there's some ideas of projects that we can use Commerce for to give some feedback. So um, whenever we have ideas, we definitely give them back to product. Um, a lot of the 
document asset management features that Liferay has. Um, we've given feedback for um, any bugs or anything really that we come up with. We try to, we have a, a, a line of communication with engineering to, um, yeah, to try to improve those. Because the goal for us is kind of to get rid of almost all or as much of our custom code as we can. So all of our custom code and modules and different things that we're doing to kind of make things work, um, we've told product about so that they can evaluate if those are really specific to our use case or if they're things that Liferay as a product can provide our customers um, out of box so that they can do those kind of things. So more and more, we're trying to make it kind of standard and everything that we do give back to them so that ideally we could just run Liferay and it would have all of the, with very minimal, if any, customizations. Um, and we would have all that stuff built in so that a customer with some technical experience or maybe even limited technical experience can use Liferay um, and build a very similar site that we have um, with all the functionality and all of the scalability. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like uh, the long-term goal and we're definitely moving towards it. Um, but it's a work in progress. Okay, that that sounds good. And uh, tooting my own horn there as I'm currently preparing a presentation at one of our events on maintainable um, plugins or maintainable extensions or customizations, actually, all kinds of customizations. Um, the question would then be how many customizations do you have i'm aware that it's hard to quantify it's like it's not seven um but it's like do you customize a lot or uh, just the bare necessity or are you trying to work around the need to customize and how do you bring them forward to the new version to the next version to how did you bring them forward to this version yeah um we have maybe let's see five yeah maybe like currently we have maybe 10 or so um, module or so in our workspace, we have an apps, we split it into applications, extensions, and overrides. So in applications, there's probably like eight or 10 top level. Some of those are multiple modules, but eight or 10 kind of like application bundled, and then maybe 15 or so extensions. So those could be something as simple as a configuration for alloy editor or adding a theme contributor that we're applying um, or they could be more complex like doing geo redirecting or a cookie banner stuff like that mm-hmm. um, and then maybe like eight or so um, overrides so that could be like the 404 page or um, a saml override different different either bugs that we've found or configurations that we need to work over so it's not a terrible amount of configurations and we're trying to get even use even less of them like a number of our modules we're trying to um, rewrite with new out-of-box applications, like uh, whether that's like the, some of the data engine features that are coming out or using components instead of um, uh, some like custom asset publishers and different things like that. So we're working on even consolidating that more, but there's always going to be custom applications. Um, like we have a trial portlet that we were using for a while Mm-hmm. like a hosted trial that uh, currently I think is is on pause, but we'll probably revisit it at some point. So that's like a full custom application that we'll use, and that's great. Um, but things that are kind of more standard, we're trying to figure out how to use with product, and if we can't do it, to kind of give them the feedback to do that. Um, but yeah, 
uh, it's not terribly customized. Um, and a lot of that is smaller as a result of having to upgrade a number of times this last year or two um, and having to upgrade all of those things and being like, do we don't actually need this anymore? Um, it'd be easier for all of our future upgrades if we kind of get rid of it now. Um, so yes, maintainable plugins are really important. Yep, because that, that's something that I heard in the past uh, that there were quite a lot of customizations and they made it really hard to uh, bring forward uh, the new version. And uh, as I hear that from customers as well, so everybody is complaining about hard upgrades, but uh, those hard upgrades are often chosen uh, by just needing to customize everything where uh, so you can go 90% of the way without any customization. And then if you really insist on doing the last 10% as well, then uh, yeah, it might need some some deeper customization that needs to be uh, brought forward, upgraded and so on. And then it's a real project. So it yeah, seems, seems like our own team has learned something from their past behavior. Yep. <laughs> and that's that's ancient behavior, by the way. One. Yeah, that's ancient behavior. So I, I only heard of that uh, hearsay uh, in the distant past. Yeah. But yep. dealing with technical debt is real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably everywhere. As soon as you start something, there is technical debt in there anyway. Yep. Um, you've mentioned the alloy editor, which brings me back to the front end and to the beautiful side. Uh, as a WYSIWYG editor, and I still do remember one of my pet peeves when I started working with LifeRay, when I've uh, come into uh, basically equipping some editors with uh, with an editor back then that was the CK editor or even the predecessor of that, the one that always sounds like a curse word, the FCK editor. Mm-hmm. Um And uh, we've suffered big time by it being a WYSIWYG editor. Is there anything that you uh, completely take out of it that you disallow? Or is every author so disciplined that you can give them the full WYSIWYG editor and they know that they shall not um, play with font sizes uh, or, or anything else, font colors? Uh, yes, no, we, we take things out of it to simplify it, especially with our components. We were trying to set up a way that marketers wouldn't have an overwhelming number of options. And what they do have is very straightforward to keep the design consistent, um, but also give them the flexibility they need. So I'm trying to remember everything that we put in it, but Yeah, we definitely removed a number of things. Like they definitely have bold italics, um, but we probably removed most of the other things. I think the headings we've moved. We had a different way of handling headings, so we took out some of the heading changes stuff in Alloy Editor. I think we took out the alignment stuff because we wanted to do that in Fragment Configs. So we did simplify it down a good amount um, because in in places like maybe blogs, you want like all that flexibility. Um, but in places like the content on in a certain fragment, most of the time we kind of wanted just the bare minimum so that they aren't overwhelmed by choices. And, and we can allow our designers to make the choices, not necessarily our marketers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of locked down some of those things. Um, and that's been working well for us. 
Yeah, I wish I had done that when I started, but back then it was significantly harder. Yeah, luckily it's not too hard. Just like one file that we override and it changes, but the options are available. Mm-hmm. Good. That was a, a quite nice tour through everything that I could think of. Um, and I bet that I have only touched the very surface of what you are dealing with. Um, uh, like on the technical side, for example, um, you said you're running on DXP Cloud. Can you talk about the technical specification there? Is it a two-machine cluster, 20-machine cluster? What uh, what do we need to keep up the load for liferay.com? Yeah. Uh, currently, our DXP cloud, we have a three-node cluster. So there's three, um, three nodes of liferay running. And then everything else um, is just... I think everything else is just two nodes so that for redundancy. Um, so we have like a Nginx server that's running. That's only two nodes. Um, and then our database and there's elastic. Um, actually we might have, we might have scaled elastic to three nodes, but that, yeah, we have three library nodes. Yeah. That, yeah. that would be good. Like elastic says, uh, please always use an, uh, what's that? Even an odd. So an odd number of, uh, elastic search servers. That's their so, strong, strong recommendation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and that's been working well. Um, at one point, we had scaled up to four nodes, I think, for Liferay when we had just started. Um, but three has been plenty for us. We've actually been thinking about going down to two and then using their auto scaling. But mm-hmm. we just haven't uh, tested that as much. But we've been running on three and that's been plenty, probably more than we need for our level of traffic, but is helpful for redundancy and any sort of spikes. Um, but yeah, and it's very simple to do. It's just kind of a configuration that spins it up um, and clustering works. Um, yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask about that. Is that three because of the high load or is that three because three? <laughs> and it seems to be because three. Yeah, I think right now it's more of because of three. I think our load could probably handle just two. Yeah. Um, well, I think the load may be on one, but then you want high availability. Uh, at least according to the performance white paper, when I think of the kind of content that liferay.com serves, that should be should be possible serving that on one node. Well, I don't have insight into the Google Analytics site, but uh, I do feel that uh, the, the capacity that liferay provides uh, is actually quite high and with a login being external on a single sign-on single sign-on system, that should easily be handleable on a single node. And then, of course, you always want high availability, which means there's always two at least in there. But if there are three, then it's a little bit nicer. You um, you can easily take one of these servers out and update or work or maintain them. Yep. So that's worked well for us um, in the current setup. Mm-hmm. Are you aware uh, they're probably somewhere within the same region and not a geographical uh, cluster, one in Asia, one yeah, in so we, Europe, one in the US? Right? They're currently uh, in the oh, – which one is it? I think I can check. Uh, they're in the West Coast region. So I think they're up in Oregon technically. Yeah. Our servers are in Oregon in that Amazon region. Mm-hmm. But we do have a disaster recovery, um, and that one is in um, – London, I think. Let me check. Um, but we have a disaster recovery service, and that one is yeah in London. So 
if something on the West Coast went down, we can switch over. And we do that more just so that we have kind of, if anything happens and we need to deploy or at any point to our servers, we can easily just switch over to our disaster recovery nodes um, and they're in a different one. Eventually we would like, um, we were asking DXP Cloud if we could do some sort of directing traffic to the node that's closer to them, like doing cross, using multiple nodes across regions. Um, currently that feature is not available, but it's it's on the roadmap and it would be really nice. I'll be curious to see that because my last answers to exactly that questions were that uh, not much progress has been made in the acceleration of light speed um, in the past years. Yeah, unfortunately not, but hopefully soon. <laughs> I'm not too confident on that. <laughs> so I think we'll get, we'll get some other advancements uh, soon, but uh, the speed of light is uh, has been quite stable for quite a while. I guess that's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what makes distributed clusters really hard, especially if they are centralized and not just eventually consistent. Uh, so yes, there's a whole world uh, that does that, but well, that's not just what this uh, software has been built on. But who knows? Uh, there's ha there has been quite a lot of the architecture changed, and why not go after it? I mean, that will be fun as well, and I'll be very curious to see uh, that coming. Yeah, and I don't know where that lies on the roadmap or anything, but I remember it, were, it was at least feedback they would give them. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, many people wish that, uh, but it's technically like really hard and... Um, yeah, more, more often than not, a disaster recovery system in a different region is uh, just the way to go because uh, that's what easy to maintain, what's easy to maintain, and what you can, uh, what everybody understands, uh, not just uh, some specialist that is then uh, the sole point uh, of work and needs to be on call for twenty four hours a day. Correct, and it has actually been really nice, even for non disasters. Like if we want to do maintenance or do an upgrade. We mm -hmm. can switch over to our disaster recovery servers and switch our DNS over, and it's our site is completely up, and we can do a full upgrade with no downtime, and then switch back over. Mm -hmm. um, so we've done that a number of times. So there's been a lot of benefits to that. No, that's Not good. just if the world ends. Yeah. So especially when, uh, as you have more or less read-only content, as I understand. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I mean that's the uh, the sweet spot for just spinning up a different machine elsewhere because uh, you have defined publishing points and then all of the rest, the forms uh, you said go to HubSpot and soon to... Pardon. Pardon, yeah. And um, yeah, with that, it should be relatively easy. Well, that's been good. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about at all but you're really keen on sharing? No, I think you covered a good amount of the of the lay of the land. So, yeah, there's a widespread of stuff, but it's also not not too complicated. Pretty standard. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of our customers, yeah, that are hosting just a public website, touch on those things. Mm -hmm. And you have presented it on some events, I guess. So I've seen you at some events and you have been presenting, and I guess that's been somewhere in the area that you're working in. Yeah, I talked about, I gave a talk uh, at DevCon about our upgrade process, um, mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people were interested in and, yeah, found at least the challenges that we faced um, relevant. So it is a relevant thing for a lot of a lot of people. Um, and it is 
it is getting better. I think we're figuring out how to make that transition smoother. But, yeah. So yeah, there's, a link, share. there's a link for the show notes. I'll find that. Uh, I bet there is a recording on YouTube somewhere. Yeah, there, there is. I'll find that. I'll hunt that and link that in the show notes for anybody who didn't get enough of knowing what we're using it for, but then also how do we get there through an upgrade to the last version. That was DEF CON 2019? Correct. Okay. And we got to check on how the web team is working these days because uh, so far the answer must be they're all distributed in their homes. Uh, how, how's your team doing? Yeah, the team is doing pretty well. Um, we already work with so many people abroad um, that a lot of our meetings are already calls um, and video calls and conferences. So functionally, we're able to function pretty well. The main transition is we're not sitting next to each other in desks, but we're at home. But we have daily stand-ups on um, Zoom, which are good. Check in, see everybody's uh, desk that they've makeshift into their their residence for works for a while. Um, but I think team morale is pretty good, um, able to do do what we need. So it's definitely a unique time, but um, certainly a blessing that we still have our jobs and our work transitions pretty easily and that we're able to do that. We just need to figure out how to carve out a space at our home. Yeah, I couldn't have said that better. Well, I guess then my curiosity is... Uh, well-fed now and I'll see if I can come up with anything for the public website soon but right now I'm rather pushing something for the community website which is the new Radio Life Ray homepage and That'd that's outside of your realm uh, that is supposed to live on the community pages and probably comes there with the next upgrade great on that note uh, I'll say, um, well, all the best to your team, to everybody in the company, actually everybody in the world, working distributed, most likely distributed, just because we are in a business that is mostly digital anyway. And I hope that the listeners have gotten some ideas of how we are eating our own dog food, how we are drinking our own champagne, choose whichever meme you like best. And even for that, I'll have a uh, I'll have a picture to post in the show notes. That's another episode for and in Radio Life Ray. Um, I'll say thank you to Ryan. Yeah, thank you, Olaf. Always happy. And uh, hear you on the next episode. See ya.